0: Hey, thanks for joining us today at the Divine Church. We're one church with two locations, reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ, and you can partner with us by sharing this video or clicking the give link below. But for now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
1: I've seen the faithfulness of God still inside the storm, the promise of the shore. Trust the power of your word enough to seek your kingdom first beyond the barren plains, beyond the ocean waves. When I walk through the water.
0: with you until the end of the age and he's in us and today we don't have to be afraid we don't have to have fear there's a lot of stuff going on coronavirus elections you name it the enemy is stirring up anxiety but the people of God are rising up and saying my God is with me and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world yeah I'm going to ask you is there anybody in the room that's struggling right now with, with just gripping fear raise your hand real quick Anybody in there, look around. If you see somebody around, you just quickly lay a hand on them. We're going to just agree right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, that fear has to go in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that perfect love casts out all fear. And God, you intended for your, for your children to walk in peace and joy and freedom by the fruit of the Spirit. And so today, Lord, we just speak the name of Jesus over every heart, every hand that's raised, that fear has to go. And it is the perfect love of Jesus that will draw us to yourself. And God, give us the confidence of knowing, Lord, that you have our every concern already taken care of under the blood of Jesus. Come on, can we just give him praise in this place? He is worthy. Come on.
1: Your love so great, Jesus, in all things, I've seen a glimpse of your heart, a billion years, still I'll be singing. Oh you. It is being thankful for when I am given mercy. It is being full of joy when I can give the mercy that has been given to me.
0: Walking humbly with God is not walking with my head down in fear of my Creator. It
2: means that I get to hold my head up looking at my Creator knowing that I am His. Well, good morning. good morning. How is everybody today? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. let's go, let's go. Uh, for those that I have not had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Gus Bishop, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at the Vine Church. And guys, I'm really excited to be here this morning. We're kicking off this brand new series called On Point. So I just want you to participate a little bit right off the bat. So go ahead and say On Point. On point. Okay, so for those of you that may not be familiar with what that phrase actually means, it simply means making something exactly right. Everybody tracking? Making something exactly right. So for me, uh, for example, worship was on point this morning, right? Can we give it up for our worship and production teams this morning? (laughs) Worship was on point. And what I mean by that is, listen, the worship and production did a great job ushering us into the presence of God and connecting us to the Father's heart. And so for me, that is something that is exactly right. And another thing that's on point is that Engage art piece that's hanging out in the library out those double doors. And the reason that I consider that to be on point is because it's a representation. Each one of those blocks is a representation of you and the commitment you made to see heaven brought to earth in and through a uh, community here at the Vine Church. And I also love the fact that as people come into the Vine Church for the first time, they are able to join into that group, engage, and, and eventually if they decide to be a part of this community, they too can pray over their block and add their block to that art piece. And the reason I think that's on point is because just like the kingdom of God, it's going to continue to expand and grow. Amen? Right? So that for me is on point. And then uh, you can break it down a little bit and have a little little bit more simpler illustrations. Like for me, that fourth cup of coffee this morning was on point, right? And some of you are like, you should stick to one because you're about to give me a heart attack this morning, and that's okay. I'm totally fine with that. And and as you get to understand how to use the phrase, you can begin to have fun with other people and with, with each other. For example, some of our staff sometimes during the week will come up to me and go, hey, Gus, your hair is on point today, right? And I'm like... I receive that love and encouragement. It ministers to my heart, soul, and mind. Thank you very much. But the truth is, like our goal throughout this series is that hopefully we'll all learn what it means to live an on-point life, right? An on-point life, a life that's filled with deep and meaningful relationships. that's full of passion and full of purpose. A life that maybe doesn't look perfect, but we understand the beauty and the brokenness. And that, listen, it's a life that is spent in every moment. Right, Because time is short and we only have one shot at life. And so how do we live this on-point life? How do we do that? Do we uh, put our head to the grindstone and try to climb up that corporate ladder? Or do we uh, go off and buy a new car or or like the latest technology to hope that someone may want what we have? Or or sometimes, and I know this is me and I know it's you because I follow you all on social media, sometimes you kind of like pose for that perfect Picture so that everyone would think that your life is perfect. But here's the truth. Unfortunately, we can't work, we can't spend, and we can't fake our way to an on point life. In fact, we can't even get to an on point life by ourselves. On our own, the best we can do in this life is to celebrate things that the world celebrates. And can we just take a minute and say we're okay this morning to have a little truth spoken to us? Uh, Because the Lord was speaking this to me this week. The truth is, thank you, the truth is, that the, the world celebrates things that won't last. They celebrate things that won't last. And so, listen, you can get that fancy job or that corner office, but guess what? Eventually someone else is going to sit there. And you can go and get that brand new car or that new fancy phone, but eventually there's going to be a new model that's released. And if you look at that perfect picture that you took, you know there's going to be someone out there that has more likes, more followers, or more friends. So what do we do? We have to recognize recognize those times when we're simply living to please the wrong things. When we're living to please our bosses, or we're living to please our family or friends, or let's be honest, when we're living to just live for ourselves and to please ourselves. The problem is that there's not a person on this planet, including us, that we can please enough to earn that on-point life. In order for us to truly experience a life that is exactly right, our aim cannot be to please people. If you're taking notes this morning, you might wanna write this down. To live an on-point life, our aim must be found in pleasing God. To live an on-point life, our aim must be found in pleasing God. Why? Because God created each and every person on the planet with a unique plan and purpose in mind. And when we step into that purpose and into that plan, we are living the on point life. The on point life is lived, bringing heaven to earth with your God given uniqueness. And when we are doing that, we are living a life that is bringing God glory, showing others how to encounter Him. But the truth is, the on point life looks nothing like what the world celebrates, right? The on-point life can get real complicated and can get real messy. I remember when, in 2006, when we first uh, came up here to help start and plant Divine Church, um, when we first moved up here, we were living primarily on my income and my landscape architecture business. And how many of you know, two years later, in 2008, the economy did the (whistles) right? Yeah? I already saw somebody raising their hand. Like, how many of you were affected by that? Because pretty much construction pretty much ceased. Right? It, it was bad for us. It was really bad for us as a family because this is what it happened. We took a $6,000 a month loss in income. A $6,000 a month loss in income. And guys, I'll be honest with you. It was one of the lowest points in my life. I was devastated. I felt so defeated. I felt like a failure as a husband and a father. I felt like that I had let my family down. Uh, You know, so I I was crying out to God, Lord, why would you have us come up here to help start this church and then let this happen? Like all we were trying to do is just be obedient to what you called us to do. And all that Nicole and I just kept hearing was the Lord saying, hold on. I called you to be here. Hold on. Now, what that looked like for me was that I, I took a couple of part-time jobs with a couple of friends who actually happened to be members of this church and, and part of this church family. Talk about awkward for both them and me, right? Because I am now my boss's pastor, and they were their pastor's boss. It could get a little messy, a little complicated. It wasn't easy during that season, but Nicole and I held on, and we weathered it. And this is how we did that. See, God had said and God had called us to be here. And I don't want to just gloss over that. God had said and God had called us to be here. Because see, here's what I believe. I believe there's some people here this morning that God had said something to you and God has called you to something, but you've allowed your disobedience to that calling to keep you from pursuing that call. Here's the truth. Listen, you've listened to maybe what other people have said about you or said about your calling that can't be for you. There's no way that's for you. You're not that. You're not this. Or maybe you just missed the opportunity to live into that calling, and so you're just like, oh, well, I missed that opportunity. That's not my calling anymore. Listen, I'm here to tell you this morning that if God said it and God called you to it, God is the only person that can call you from it. No one else can do that. If God has said it and God has called you to it, he is the only person that can call you from it. So I don't know who it is that the Lord's talking to this morning, but I know the Lord has called some of you to some things. Don't be disobedient to that because see, for us in that season, we held on. And in order for us to have lived that on-point life in that moment, we had to have been obedient to what God had said for that season. And I don't think that we're the only ones to discover that on-point on living often looks different than what the world says, right? Students, on-point living for you may mean that you have interests and passions and hobbies that other students aren't interested in, and that's okay. Or maybe you're choosing not to do some of the other things that some of your friends are doing, and that is okay as well. Adults, on point might mean a lot of things to you. It might mean that you start chasing after that career that God has called you to instead of what will pay you the most. In parents, this might mean deciding to prioritize your kids over your career. And listen, I, I, honestly, I honestly don't know what the on point life looks like for each of you. But what I do know is we can figure it out when we look at the scripture. Amen? All right, so if you have your Bible, I to invite you to open up to Micah chapter six with me. Micah chapter six. We're going to be there for most of our time together this morning. Um, if you're turning there, if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app, the words will be on the screen in just a moment. But if you don't have your own copy of the Bible, here's what I want to ask you to do: after the service is over, if you'll go out to our cafe counter, we have free copies of the Bible. We'd love to give to you because I say this all the time, every t- opportunity I get. We know that the Word of God, in combination with a personal relationship with Jesus, empowered with the Holy Spirit, in you will change your life forever, the better. Amen. All right, so now Micah. Micah was one of the minor prophets. Wasn't a major prophet. He was considered to be a minor prophet. But, and there's a couple of things I want you to hear. A prophet was just somebody who God appointed, who God chose to hear the voice of God and to tell people what God was saying, right? And because he was a minor prophet doesn't mean that what he was saying wasn't very important. He was considered a minor prophet by men because he didn't write as much as some of the major prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah did. Everybody tracking? Everybody got that good? So we're going to be starting with verse 6, but before we get there, I want to give you a little history about who Micah was and what we know about Micah. We know that Micah, we know that the name Micah means who is like Yahweh. His name means who is like Yahweh, and Yahweh was the Hebrew name of God. We know that he was from a small village called Moresheth. that was, was a little bit southwest of Jerusalem. And we also know that he served as a prophet 700 years before the birth of Christ. 700 years before the birth of Christ, but we also know that he correctly identified and prophesied the name of the town Bethlehem where Jesus would be born. He had a deep concern for the poor and oppressed and perhaps most importantly, we know that Micah had a deep desire to live out God's plan and purpose. And that desire becomes clear to us this morning as we jump into our scripture. We're gonna be starting with chapter six, verse six. Let's read together. And see, this passage begins with someone asking a question that probably everybody else wanted to ask, right? So they're asking this question on everybody else's behalf. Has everybody ever been in that situation when you know that everybody in the room wants to ask the same question, but nobody wants to raise their hand to ask? Right? It's like being back in middle school or high school or something. But this question from verse 6 says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? See, what they're really asking is with all that God has done, how can we possibly come before God? Like, what is it that he could possibly want from us? And then he goes on, they go on to list these, like all of these things that possibly God may want, all these religious things. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? Shall I offer calves a year old? Will he be pleased with thousands of rams for sacrifice or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Or should I even give up my own firstborn as a sacrifice to him? And what they're getting at is that, listen, God is so holy. God is so set apart. What is it that we could possibly do to close that gap between us in God. And thankfully, Micah responds to this question with clarity on exactly what the Lord wants. And I want you to take note of this. Micah's response lets us know that often what we think God wants isn't on point. Let's check out verse 8 together. He has told you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly and with your god see each of these questions that are asked in the previous verses assume that we have to do something we have to perform in order to be right with god like we have to perform these ceremonies or these sacrifices and but in verse 8 Micah explains this and you can take take another if you want it to be on the screen Micah explains that god is far more interested in the way we live our everyday lives than in our everyday religious practices He's far more interested in the way we live our everyday lives than in our everyday religious practices. And many of the prophets share these exact same thoughts. In fact, the prophet Amos says that God hates these types of superficial shows of religion when they aren't accompanied by lives dedicated to God. And Micah gives us three practical ways that we can live our lives on point. He tells us to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. Now, we're going to spend some time the next couple of weeks uh, discussing to love kindness and to walk humbly with God, but today I want us to dig real deep in what it looks like to do justice. Everybody good? Everybody tracking? All right, let's go. The Hebrew word for justice here is this funny word that's pronounced mishpat. Say that, mishpat. Such a just a weird word, right? Mishpat. And what that actually implies is action. It implies action. It implies that it's not enough for us to wish for justice. It's not enough to just complain about justice not being done. This is a clear call for the people of God to walk it out and, and to work for equality and fairness for all people. And if you want to take, take the call of God doing of us doing justice seriously, then there's two primary ways to do that. And the first step in doing that is to see people as God sees people. To see people as God sees. Sees people. When the, God looks at people, He doesn't look at the outward appearance, He looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance, He looks at the. And we know this to be true, guys, because when we look at the prophet Samuel, when he was asked to go find a king, the second king of Israel, because the first king of uh, Israel, to replace the first king of Israel, Saul, he was looking for someone who looked like a king. He was looking for someone who could fill that role, and when he thought he found that person, listen to what God tells Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. And that means the Lord bypasses like um, our physical stature. He bypasses our GPA, our college and high school degrees. He bypasses like um, the activities we do. He bypasses our skin color, our bank account, and thank goodness our hairstyle. But listen, it's not because he is not interested or care, doesn't care about those things. He cares about the intricate details of your life, but these things are all secondary to what's going on in our heart. And so in order for us to do justice, those things must become secondary to us as well. And so when we look at the world around us and we, when we see people, who they, we got to see people for who they really are. And they're first and foremost not a doctor, not a lawyer, not a garbage man, not a janitor, not a politician, not a Republican, not a Democrat, not a criminal, not a churchgoer. They are first and foremost a person that was created in the image and likeness of God. And we have to begin to see them that way. Whether, whether or not they see themselves or whether they not they know it or not, they're still a dearly beloved child of God. And so we have to see them as children of God so that we can treat them like children of God. Because if we don't, then we won't stand up for them as if they're God's kids. Listen, even if the person may not know Jesus yet, even if the person may not know Jesus yet, We're called to see them the way God sees them and God sees their eternal value listen he sees their kingdom potential and possibilities not their present shortcomings I'll say that again (laughs) he sees their kingdom potential and possibilities not their present shortcomings and I'm not sure if we're we're getting that so here's what I'm going to ask you to do everybody raise your hand everybody raise your hand this is very rarely would we mandatory to do this but i'm asking the mentor to do this raise your hand please now look around the room at everybody with their hand raised you see i've got mine up too even people in production have their hands up here's the thing me and you and everybody else with their hand raised has present shortcomings okay it, it's out of the bag the cat's out of the bag right you can put your hand down we all have present shortcomings but can we thank God? Can we celebrate the fact that when He sees me and He sees you, He doesn't see present shortcomings? He sees our potential in the kingdom and our possibilities in the kingdom? Can anybody be excited about that? And we're called, check this out, we are called to see them that way too. And I get it. I get it. It's hard. It's hard sometimes to see people the way God sees them, but it's better for them. And it's better for us. And it's better for the kingdom. It's better for them because they're getting introduced to the love of the Father. It's better for us because we're choosing to be obedient to what God has called us to do. And it's better for the kingdom because the kingdom is advancing and ever-growing. I remember before uh, we moved up here to help start the church, um, my wife and I, Nicole and I, we were volunteering and working with a youth at a church in Snellville. And I have one of the parents of a college age guy uh, that went to the University of Georgia, come up to me and go, hey, can, is it cool if my son works with you uh, this summer? And I was like, sure, absolutely. As long as he's planning on working, that's fine, right? And, and so I um, didn't really know a lot about this guy named Reed. Uh, I'd met him a couple of times in passing. Um, but first day of the summer, he was supposed to be at the house at 7 a.m. 7.30 rolls around, not there. Me and the guys are waiting at the house for him. Call him on the phone, like, hey, Reed, where you at, bro? He's like, hey, listen, man, so I slept through my alarm. I'm on my way, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, So we got there about 15, 20 minutes later. It smelled like uh, beer and cigarettes from the night before. And so I didn't address the beer and cigarettes, but I addressed him being late. I was like, hey, man, listen, um, if we're sitting around here waiting on you and we're not on a job site, uh, how many do you know that time is money? Right, and so I, time is money. We need you. You can't be late again. And he was like, "Okay, cool." And the great thing was he wasn't late again. Never. He was never late again. But here's the funny thing: I think he thought he got something over on the church guy because I didn't address the smelling of beer and cigarettes. But what he didn't realize was just what this church guy used to be. And so I knew exactly what that smelled like. But I just didn't think it was. I needed to address it with him because that's not what was important. What was funny about this story? is throughout the summer, the Lord had called me to an extended season of fasting. And so as we drive around in the truck and ride around the truck, uh, Reed's eating lunch. He's chomping on his sub or his Arby's. He's like, hey, man, you want something to eat? And I'm like, no, do you remember I'm fasting? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 you're fasting. I forgot. Like, what, what are you fasting for? And so I began to share with him the things that I was praying for and the reasons I was fasting. And what was fun for me to watch was that Reed's curiosity about the things of God about prayer and fasting, begin to make him curious about God. And I remember towards the end of the summer, we were going towards a job, driving towards a job in Sugar Hill. And we'd just gone through the intersection of Buford Highway and I quickly pulled the truck over to the side of the road in front of some car dealership. And I had the honor and privilege to lead Reggie Christ. Yeah, <laughs> we will always celebrate when someone comes to know Jesus, that is for sure. But here's the thing, like Reed, when he tells the story, it's so much better because it's his Jesus moment, right? And we still stay in contact with each other. We talk at least once a week, whether it's face-to-face or over the phone or via text. And and I asked him, I said, hey, are you cool with me sharing part of your story? And this is what he said. He said, absolutely, because when everyone else saw an angry, arrogant mess, you saw kingdom potential in me. And you know one of the reasons that Reed was so angry? It's because some christian peers had told him that he was pretty much too far gone for jesus like i remember him sharing with me that he went to a youth event at the church and when he walked up some of the other students were like why are you even here and so he left see reed was i'm going to share this i prayed a lot into that that this week and during staff prayer on tuesday i felt like the lord gave me just a statement um, to share with us this morning. And so if you'll go ahead and put that on the screen, it's this, it's listening. Doing justice without seeing with God's eyes of love is dead, is deadly to everyone involved. Listen, doing justice without seeing with God's eyes of love is deadly to everyone involved. See, Reed was mad at God in the world because of the way he was being treated by people who said they loved God. So no doubt he was acting like an arrogant, angry mess. But God said, kingdom potential. And he said, no, I see a powerful, passionate son. And here's what's crazy. Um, I had the privilege of asking Reed to come and be the student pastor here when I transitioned out of that role here at the Vine Church about nine years ago. And he was our student pastor for about three years. And then he got called to go to another church, and now he's the director of all of the student ministries for all of Passion City Churches, right? And, and here's the thing, too. Like, he is getting to travel the world. I mean, goes to Korea once a year. Like, he's getting to travel the world, speaking to tens of thousands and tens of thousands of students, impacting their lives for the kingdom. Listen, we have to choose to see what God sees in people. But I get it. Most of the time, we get so caught up in our busy and everyday lives that we don't see how people are being treated unfairly so we don't necessarily do anything about it because we don't see it, right? And which leads us to the second step in doing justice and that's to do what God calls you to do. To do what God calls you to do. Now, I know we say that a lot around here so I know that's not very profound but but the truth is so often we see things that aren't right and we just simply don't do anything about it. Anybody ever been there before? I have. Happened just this week, just in case you were wondering. And we've probably all heard that expression, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. See, I used to wonder sometimes and when I would pray to God and I would go, God, uh, please do something with the brokenness in this world. And now what I know is God was probably going, hey, Gus, I did I created you and I put my spirit in you. How about you go do something with the brokenness in this world? But instead of maybe me doing something, a lot of times I just continue to pray for them. And listen, I'm not saying that we should pray less, but I am saying we should do more. We should do more. Listen, as sons and daughters of a good heavenly father, the king of kings, the creator of the universe, we should stand up and do more. And I'm not talking about going out and like blasting people with the Bible or going out and start calling out people's sin. That's not what I'm talking about. Check this out. We have to see the people the way God sees them because if we don't see people the way God sees them and show people who they are in Christ, how will they ever get introduced to Jesus? Short answer is they won't. They won't. Unless someone else chooses to be obedient to what God now has called them to do because we were disobedient to what God called us to do. Been there? Done that. See, we have to choose to see what God sees in people and do what God calls us to do in order in order to do justice. You know what I love? You know the stories that I love most about this church? About you guys? It's the stories that I hear uh, of of you guys going outside of the church walls and bringing the kingdom of God to people who need it. Like just for instance, this past Christmas, when we reached out to people as, as a church, we reached out to people who we knew uh, had a need for Christmas, like they were needing some help with Christmas, and we reached out to them. They would say things like, no, 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 my connect group's already taking care of all that. Or, or this individual in your church has already taken care of all that need for us. And I love. Listen, I love. I totally love when, when, when we as a staff get calls uh, 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 for people who have, are struggling with things, and we immediately reach out to them, and they're like, "Listen, all we need from y'all is prayer and counsel, because everything else has already been met." I love that about you guys. I love that about this church. But I also love when we get to do things together corporately. And you heard last week that. As part of our Christmas offering we we pay down all the uh, the student school lunch debt for two of our local schools. And that's the type of thing that we get to do corporately. And if the band will make their way up I want to tell you about another opportunity that we can do something together. Amigos for Christ is one of our global partners who's been making disciples making disciples in Nicaragua for the past 20 years. And they're partnering with some other uh, organizations to help pack 1 million one million meals to be sent around the world to people who are in need, right? Including the people in Nicaragua. And what's special about that for us is we've sent so many people to Nicaragua to help dig wells, to help them have clean water. And so we're getting to send these meals to them as well. And they're looking for 100 volunteers who are five and older to gather at the Gwinnett County Fairgrounds on Saturday, March 14th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And to get signed up, you just go to the website, click on Global Outreach. And this is a great way for you not only to see as God sees, but to love people the way God loves people. See, whether or not you can attend the Million Mills event, my invitation for you for this week is to be intentional, to see people as God sees people, and then do what God has called you to do. And you know what you're probably going to discover? You're probably going to discover that as you wade into the messiness, messy places of the world and in life and in the community, you're probably going to find that you're right in the middle of God's plan and God's purpose for your life. And you might just look up and realize that the life you're living is on point. Worthy of every song we could ever sing.
1: Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring You're worthy of every breath
0: Response is yes Lord all of me for all of you Jesus come on offer him your life let him take you where he wants to take you it's the only way he wants it all come on let's sing
1: together I will build so I